Damn if we're live for me. We're live. <laughs> Guys, welcome to the very first live cut to. And we're on location. We're actually with a live guest really here. She's in person. This wonderful person sitting next to me with a very, very jazzy jacket is a creator herself, a science communicator, and works with creatives. So we've got some good questions lined up. She currently works for the Center for Virus Research here in Glasgow, part of the University of Glasgow. They've been doing some incredible work recently. It is Faye Watson. Thanks so much for joining us. A round of applause. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So that was a little intro from me. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Oh, God. Tell us about yourself. Uh, so I'm Faye. Uh, c considering I'm holding a cider, I'm not an alcoholic. She's mentioned booze. All um, right, let's... let's <laughs> I, I was waiting, waiting as much as I could. Cheers, on your oh, <laughs> lively, lively, lively. I mean, this is this is live, isn't it? Yeah. It's good to do a cheers in mm. person. We normally cheers a camera. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Same, same, really. Still, still taste. Actually... I'm on a different innocent gun, but that's another story. I thought we weren't doing product placement. Oh, absolutely. We're looking. We're, if you're <laughs> looking to promote lager on this show, what camera I'm are you looking at? <laughs> what camera are you on? I'm, I'm looking at the wide, but I've got no idea. Jake's well, not this is the one on you. We've got no tally lights, people. We've got no tally lights. Just looking at you live. All right. Amateurs. Hey, hey, in, introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. This is probably the hardest question that I've ever been asked with all of these cameras pointing at me at once. So wh which camera am I looking at? On the wide? Am I that? <laughs> you're, you're on this one. You're on this one. This one. The, the, the Lumix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand. No, 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 no. No, 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 no the other no, one. The, the black other magic. One. Yeah, Should yeah, she yeah. not be talking to you or us? No, she wants to look down you're the lens. You don't want to. Yeah. Down, down the camera. Your mum's <laughs> We know your mum's watching. Mom. So, yeah. She's in safe hands. <laughs> so. No. You you work you work at the CVR, right? I uh, do. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm oh gosh, this I don't know why I'm struggling with this no, so perfect, much. Though. Yeah, so this is back great. to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is ridiculous. Okay, so <laughs> what do you want to know? Do you want to know my full life story, my no, my childhood short, trauma? Short, short intro. So, what do you do at the Centre right. for Virus Research? At the CVR, yeah. Grant, I can do that. Um, so at the CVR, I run the um, Public Engagement and Communications um, Program. Um, and this is a mix of things from our kind of communications, which everyone kind of knows about, which is kind of our marketing, um, who we are, what we do. Um, and then also our more kind of in-depth programs, so the ones that we're working on you, with you guys on, um, with the Terence Higgins Trust. This is working with people who actually live with the viruses that we um, investigate and research, um, all the way through to working with communities and in places, for example, like Peru, um, with communities who are in, um, impacted by the viruses um, that we study. So, for example, anyone living near bats in Peru, um, and things like that. So I basically manage the program. Um, at the moment, we have a team of three plus me. Um, this is going to be going up to five, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, big changes, especially through COVID, working at a virus research centre. We've had a lot to do over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, really exciting. You've said the C word. Yeah, sorry. We, we promise we promise this show wouldn't be oh, about COVID. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. No. Yeah. yeah. Masks masks re removed in Scotland yesterday. Yep. Um, which is interesting. Interesting. But we're not talking about that. So in terms of you and your creative work at the CVR, how important is it for you to delve into your own background in terms of content and creativity and work with others internally and externally with science? Like you guys are communicating some pretty 
complicated and confused stuff. How important is the the content and creative? So important. Um, I think, you know, most of our kind of researchers um, now, especially in the last couple of years, have been seeing that our audiences are literally everyone now and everyone takes in content completely differently. You have people who want to read a book, you'll have people who want to watch a video, you'll have people who like want to have a look at photos and it's really important for us as kind of working as creatives to understand how people want to receive that information and then create like create that content in all different types to to send that out so that all people can have access to knowledge about viruses and the diseases that they cause. Nice. Because you, you work with us as as content creators. We create a lot of video content. But recently you've also been working with an artist as well and lots of graphic work. Um, so there's quite a mix. For anyone interested in working with science and, and creative work, what advice would you give them? Um, just get in touch. I think a lot of easy. <laughs> easy. It, easy. It, it's one of those things. Like especially well for my for my center as well. Like we absolutely love hearing from creatives who who are just interested in what we do. Mm. And a couple of the artists that we're now you know involved with, and especially later this year, I'm really hoping to launch a comic book. Um, is that this has come from illustrators and people, especially getting in touch with us and saying, hey, I really like this person's research, or this is really interesting mm. to me. Are there any opportunities? Like I had another video company contact me this morning and I was like, sorry, we've, I've actually <laughs> I've already got one. Good. But then I could like pass them on to other people I know yeah. who are looking and and things and there's loads of opportunities. So I think, yeah, especially within like the public engagement and kind of science communication communities, like so many of us are working with creatives all day, every day. And even if we can't take someone on, there'll be someone that we know that kind of will, that will. Yeah. So that's kind of my biggest thing is like, don't be scared to just reach out. And especially the research community just love telling people about what they're doing. And if there's someone who wants to do that in a creative way, then they'll be more than happy to, to think of a way that they can work together. Love it. I, I like that you're also being um, approached by other production companies. We will find you. <laughs> and we will kill you. <laughs> no, like um, healthy competition only keeps us sharp. Um, <clears throat> just, just to bring it back. So your your um, role, correct me if I'm wrong. You're a science communicator, right? So how did how did you fall into that? How does how did you end up what you're doing just just now? Happy accident. Um, actually, I was doing a master's at Cardiff Uni in biology, um, where I was researching plants, um, and I went to this random seminar um, run by the Royal Society of Biology, which was the importance of communicating science and I thought oh that sounds interesting something I like we should be doing and I went and it was the head of um, education at one of our local science centres who did this amazing demonstration of like making science simple and I just came away from it like that is what I want to do and I didn't know it at the time that there was actually a career that you could do in it so I did it as a volunteer and I set up like a volunteering group at Cardiff Uni and that was a load of students who used to go to local science centres and things and we you know we did little silly little like activities mm. um but then I just kind of mm, but that, again still didn't know that you could have a career in it so I started a PhD um, which was completely the wrong decision. But alongside that, I was doing loads more engagement and like going to the local museum and things like that. And it wasn't until I got to the realisation that I, research wasn't actually what I wanted to do that I started seeing jobs coming up that were kind of in actual like science communication um, and that you could actually get paid for it and it'd be a pretty like good career. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just quit my PhD, um, completely cold turkey, and then f luckily fell into a job in London. And how did you end up in Glasgow at the CVR? 
Um, oh, here's my sob story. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Completely It was joking. a dark, stormy night. <laughs> um, no, so I had this um, amazing job in London um, at the Wellcome Centre for Human Neuroimaging, um, where I was working on incredible projects where we were bringing neuroscientists together with artists and things. But it was an interim positions they only had um a few months worth of funding mm. um and i was like great end of that i want to go traveling i was like brilliant end of my contract perfect time to just sack everything off and go traveling so sold my house <laughs> quit why well, not quit but came to end of my contract and that was in march 2020 hmm. um and had <laughs> no, <Yeah>. yeah. no. <laughs> and also not a good time to be going traveling um, no, not great. So sadly, those plans got put on hold and I just started looking for, for job roles in public engagement and saw this one come up and I thought there is no better time to do engagement at a virus research centre. Um, and yeah, went for the interview. Did a, That was the kind of first foray into Zoom, did my interview on Zoom hmm. um, and yeah, got the job and here I am. And here we are. Is this a cut two moment, shall we? I think so. But before we before we do cut to, I should have really like we'll have new audiences purely based on you, Faye. So thank you, thank you. Um, so cut to is it's a late show for creatives, and I'm sure we can all appreciate that creativity stretches into every part of life, uh, especially working life. So we like to catch up, grab a drink, meet interesting new people, and talk about creativity, work, and we'll delve into that. And we like to do a little thing just to just to move it along, because Martin and I chat quite a bit. Me more than him. He's the strong, silent type. I'm the smudgy kind of chatterbox. So <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. I know. I, I'm, being, I'm being polite to myself there. Shall we cut to? Join us. You, don't, you will oh. need to cradle your drink. Cut to! Oh. Now that's in, that was the first cut to we've done in person. And like the thing is, we never get it in sync when we're doing it remotely. <laughs> and I've just fucked it completely. <laughs> So, can we do it again? We can, yeah, All yeah. Right. I mean, we'll we'll sync it. Uh, no, we <laughs> can't. This is live. All right, cut to <sighs> nice, fair. nice. That that was awfully helpful back in the days when we started because it allowed us a sync point every like fifteen minutes or so, as you can imagine, as you can imagine. So let's move along um, into specifically learning your craft. <clears throat> You've spoken a little bit about how you kind of ended up there, but how did you learn the craft of marrying that science stuff, right? Because you're educated, you've got a degree. But how did you how did you learn? How did you learn to take those really complicated science research elements that are going on out there and then pivot that into, hey, I can communicate that. How did you learn that? This is a difficult one because it was a I just learned it. It was one of those things by just doing. So mm. I've always been, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm a chatterbox. I talk 24-7. and <laughs> I, I know. We've had some calls. Like our, our one hour that are meant to be one hour calls, never our one hour. But it's just been something that I'm just so passionate and nerdy about science. Mm. And I've been, I'm really lucky that my mum was a neuroscientist. So I've grown up surrounded by it and talking wow. about it all the time mm. um and you know when I was at school and stuff again I was part of, <laughs> so nerdy but I was in like the science clubs and oh, all sorts of things of um this is why I'm trying to like really overcompensate by thinking of like making everyone think I look cool um, <laughs> actually a massive nerd um but yeah it was just a case of like just throwing myself into it and then at uni as I was saying like with that volunteering group 
it's just going out and doing it and teaching other people mm. and it's just something that's kind of come quite naturally but I really really enjoy helping people get that light bulb moment and you have to, and you can only do that by practicing and talking to lots of different people about it um and I guess like through doing <laughs> degrees in science and having to do presentations and all of this like all of the time um yeah it's just kind of by practice but would you say you're you're a natural communicator like as a as a natural skill you know within your family given that you're always talking about pretty complex subjects i can imagine you as a six-year-old neuroscience mom yeah yeah uh-huh something about the brain it would have been more complicated than that it's just that i know nothing about this this could be a whole other podcast it was a pretty Faye good young, neuroscience it was a good young Faye voice though i thought you know yeah <laughs> a little more Portsmouth needed. Um. Okay. But like, do, would you say um, in terms of your confidence and your communication skills, is that something that you naturally had from a youngster and you kind of developed that and then kind of brought those science and content elements together? Because you've done photography in the past. Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Yeah. Um, so to answer your first question, absolutely. Like, yeah, in the family, the complete chatterbox, one mm -hmm. who doesn't shut up. Um, yeah. And then photography was, I was, gosh... 12 13 years old um my cousin is a um event rider so she does the kind of the comp competing on horses um and my stepdad bought he's one of those people that just doesn't matter what the what the situation is he'll buy the t a tool for it so he he was like right i'm gonna buy the best camera i can find nice and we started going to these events and supporting her um because she was getting selected for the british teams mm. and i took his camera one day and just started snapping and i was reasonably good <laughs> the time like timing and understanding order, right? yeah <laughs> no actually <laughs> um and composition wise nice. and things i just had the eye for it mm. and, and a moving subject as well like, yeah that ain't easy no, so um, a couple of my photos got quite recognised. I ended up in some magazines on websites. Oh, nice. um, some of the kind of Olympic team were asking. Big in equestrian. Yeah. <laughs> equestrian, is that the one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Um, Just wanted to check. Yeah. Just wanted to check. Um, and yeah, when I was 15, I decided to do photography at GCSE. Hmm. Um, and I, my like my family kind of clumped together and bought me my first DSLR. Um, and from there, I like started up Faye Watson Equestrian Photography, FWEP, made my own logo. Good niche. Um, yeah. <laughs> and probably undercut all of the professional photographies, <laughs> photographies, photographers that e were on the circuit. Every photographer watching this is like, yep, yep. <laughs> been there, been there, done it. But I was a 15-year-old, like, give me some slack. <laughs> yeah, but you came across like a 25-year-old. Probably. Like <laughs> With your blazer, yeah. you know, walking in there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Undercutting everyone. Yeah. Good, brutal. Brutal. <laughs> good business model for a 15-year-old. <laughs> Living at home, supported <laughs> by their parents, undercutting professionals. Um, that's like basically online these days, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel it. Yeah, I just like, I'm going to look down the camera and apologise to all of the photographers who I undercut with my five pound deal. A five pound deal? <laughs> how much it was? Per right. foot so, no, per no. Day. So, like, when I. If, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, like, I. My dad bought me for Christmas, like, a pack of, um, like, CDs that I could, like, you know, the right old on. days. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. And the old I'd, days, I remember that. Like. <laughs> Yeah, he um, doesn't. He doesn't let it show though. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd like go to these events, and some of my friends would be there competing, and I'd be like, "Chuck us a fiver, and I'll give you a CD of all your photos." That's, that's and you know, I have like three or four friends that day, and like for a fifteen-year-old, yeah, yeah, that's savvy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job. yeah. 
Nice so that's kind of how, how it started. But then my dad bought a camera and got like really, really into into photography. And he is a phenomenal photographer. Mm. Um, and I used to spend um, like my whole half terms with him. So he'd obviously be trying to find things to keep me entertained for a whole week. Um, and we'd just go out with our cameras. And that's what got me into landscape photography and wildlife photography. And we'd sit for hours in hides at the local wildlife centres and reserves and stuff. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the way that I used to bond, like spend time and bond with dad was that we'd awesome. sit for hours. So now I have a really niche, weird knowledge for wetland birds um, <laughs> as well. Know. But <laughs> Come in handy. Yeah. You might need to communicate them one day. Exactly. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. Nice. So would that have been your first paid gig? Yeah. Five pounds. Five pounds. <laughs> pretty, I think that's the lowest yet. But cost of a CD, you know, so you had some... You know, you had some outcomes. Overheads, yeah. yeah overheads. <laughs> you grew into the jacket, though, which I like. <laughs> I you know. Do you have any of your old CDs, your burnt CDs, anywhere? <laughs> Probably. Will you sell us a, a copy? Yeah, oh, you nice. want. Um, yeah. I've got them all backed up. Yeah. I'll send you some of my first works. That, that would be, be great. Awesome. You, would you sign the, the yeah. cover? Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Well, we did share some of your photography work, and I must say it was really awesome. That was all from, I think, the last year, actually, since I moved to Scotland, mm -hmm. most of that. I mean, and Scotland is one of the most beautiful countries in the world for, for content. Absolutely. Right? I think two, two of them were from South Wales. So I lived there for seven years um, and that's got some magnificent coastlines and, mm. and stuff as well. But yeah, most of that's Scotland since I've moved here. Mm. Well, we are based in Scotland, just so everyone knows. And uh, we put some real production value into this one because we brought the sun in, which is not cheap in Scotland, no. as you can imagine. I, I can't believe it. We're stuck indoors again filming. <laughs> Any time. We should be outdoors right now. Next, next, oh, we could do it in the centre of town. In a beer garden, I reckon. Beer garden, that does <laughs> make sense. The back of Brell. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Nice Brell. If you want to touch. Copperberg. Martin, any questions? Uh, what about learning? On learning? Yeah. Um, hmm, I think we've covered a lot. We've covered your, your kind of, your journey to where you are just now. Um, your photography craft. How much you've you've charged for those CDs? Um, well, here's 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 one. I you work with and manage people, mm -hmm. Lois. <laughs> What's it like, Lois? What's it like managing people, Lois? What's it like? <laughs> it's great. Um, I'm really lucky that. I, you know, I have Lois and Sam's just joined us as well, Sam Langford, um, as a project manager for our TIC project. Um, and I have two interns as well at the moment. And I'm really lucky that the kind of the people that are in my team completely complement my skill set. So we don't have a load of people who are all arguing with each other about the same things because we all, I don't know what, I mean, Lois is a wizard, like in what she can do in terms of graphics. And you guys have seen it, you know. You're on, a wizard, Lois. <laughs> Yeah, we're waiting for it, Lois. <laughs> Don't. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. We're not waiting for it, Lois. So so um, have you actively hired people who aren't like you? Um, I mean, when, when kind of last year came about when Lois joined us, it was a case of um, I'd worked with her as an undergraduate student hmm. and um, helped with her undergraduate project, which is all about community... Uh, communicate. <laughs> Oh, I can't say the word in my own we'll, we'll job title. It. We'll edit it out. Um, cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> um, communicating about vaccines to help around vaccine hesitancy. And she was using social media as a method of communicating about vaccines and seeing how um, kind of reliable that was and if it was a good platform for engagement. And I just 
thought this this girl is great and I want her on my team. And luckily at the time, you know, we, we were in a position at the CVR where we had some money, you know, working with COVID and stuff in that I was able to hire her and just kind of be like, this girl is brilliant at what she does. She can do things that I, you know, I would take me two weeks to learn. She can do like that and just has the eye for graphics and design. And, you know, so since she's coming on board, our whole communications at the CVR has completely changed. And, you know, it's something it would have taken me a while to do. And we had a communications consultant as well come in last year, uh, Lucy Wallace, who was mm. absolutely fantastic. Com- yeah, com- yeah, you know, worked on several things with us. And yeah, I've, I've been lucky that, and especially with the creatives as well, being able to kind of employ people into the team who just have completely kind of completely different skill sets to me Mm. um and that's kind of where my role is now is that kind of sit is overviewing this Mm. and kind of helping everyone work together and the interns I have as well at the moment completely different skill sets to to me and that's you know they've they've just applied I haven't chosen them but they're absolutely brilliant um and I've got two more starting in September as well who are focusing on completely different things than we've had before so I'm yeah and Sam who's joining us for the tick team he has the most incredible network across Scotland um that I don't have having only moved here recently and you know as a science communicator as well he's a scientist you know science presenter comedian so again completely different skill sets to me um yeah so yeah yeah very lucky <laughs> how big's your team just now um so at the moment it is i, I, can, I think i can answer that because i was listening <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> did, did you, well, my, my follow-up my follow-up was was uh, what's the diversity like um in terms of the broadest sense of diversity yes not very oh really at the mo- well well <laughs> this is i'm sorry the cvr um so me, Lois, Sarah, <laughs> at the moment are kind of all in our 20s, um, young women. Then we've got Jamie, who's just joined us, um, also in his 20s doing a PhD, but he came from industry. Um, and Sam as well from Glasgow, again, um, in his early 30s. Um, but this is something that we're like really working on. And a new project that I've got um, is working with people in Uganda. Mm. Um, so we've got this whole new model of engagement where instead of kind of our public, even though it's our researchers who are working out in Uganda, instead of me going over and managing the programme, we're going to be working with you know people like me, science communicators in Uganda, mm. who understand you know the kind of culture and the other considerations that we have to make in Uganda, and they will be managing the project. Um, and as well with the Tick project, um, we understand you know with with ticks the. Bio- arthropods um, people in the outer hebrides are the most at risk from these so so me and sam sitting in glasgow aren't the right people to be making the decisions yeah. on what we should be doing so that project we've built in working with communities and trying to increase the diversity of our teams to make sure that you know that everything is done f- by the you know with the stakeholders that are involved at the at the heart of what we do um but this is something that we're yeah really and, and actually in the sector, the public engagement sector, this is something that we're really working on. Um, and with my old boss from um, UCL, Cassie Hugill, um, and Dan Taylor, who is now working at the British Heart Foundation, um, that is a complete lie. He's working for the British Red Cross. Why did the British Heart <laughs> Foundation come into my head? But anyway, there's. Um, developing a conference called the next steps conference and this is all about inclusive practices in hiring into public engagement and how can we make our workforce in you know more more accessible mm. to people who are in these communities that we're trying to work with um so that's a very good question huh. i'm glad i saved myself <laughs> good question martin good question real real quick question on to just to tie up learning <clears throat> firstly do you need to have a science background to work in science communication Absolutely not. And this is something with that conference as well that we're saying is that not everyone needs to have a science background, nor, you know, I think 
at the moment the big question is is do do people like me need to have a phd do we need and that's the main thing is that the jobs like mine you you didn't used to be able to get unless you had a phd because there was this understanding that to be able to communicate science you needed to have done it yeah but i you know i did half a phd i just quit it i didn't want to do it and and you know like people like lois she's got an undergraduate degree in immunology again background in science but to, for what she does there's no need for that for you know she's absolutely brilliant in in she, you know she's got, got the grasp of of the understanding of the science but it's all in the creativity and again when we're working with our community members you know if we're working with people you know our if we had a community officer for example it would be more important to have someone from that community who understands the community the community yeah. you can teach the science you know, and it's it's but it's all about especially as our approach is all stakeholder approach, it's all person led engagement is you need people from the groups that you're trying to communicate to to be working with you so that you can, you know, communicate in the best way possible. Nice. Um, and yeah, and that's the thing that we're really trying to push at the moment in, you know, is that you don't you shouldn't need a degree. You shouldn't need a PhD to be able to access engagement in science communication, just passion, enthusiasm. And yeah, as I said, you can learn the science. Awesome. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is if you've got no skills, no qualifications, contact Faye because she's got work for you to do. <laughs> but I think a good example of this is Alex. Me. No, oh, good. <laughs> no good. Alex. Well, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's no. make Alex the fall guy. Yeah, no. yeah. Alice. Oh, uh, what about Alex? Everyone <laughs> forgets about Alex. We don't talk about Alex. <laughs> um, no, Alice, the artist that's working on the yeah. Terence Higgins project, you know, Real she cool. is an absolutely incredible illustrator who has been working a lot with children. And like the, she illustrated a book about a little um, robot on Mars. And, you know, her background is in theatre and in teaching mm. but her she's now got even though she's working as the head head of art at a school in london now but on for four days a week but on her fifth day she's still she's working with my old center in london helping communicate about mri machines to help our some of their patient groups feel more comfortable getting into an mri machine mm. so she's drawn these lovely illustrations and things and now she's got this whole kind of side life as a scientific illustrator um, wow, and working awesome. with us on the Terence Higgins project, she's done amazing illustrations of the journey of a blood sample into research, working with people with HIV and hepatitis. And she's actually, for one of our researchers, Adam Fletcher, is going to be drawing il- illustrations of his team. And this isn't necessarily just the people in in the lab, it's the viruses that they research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's going to be creating little, you know, characters little characters characters. and it's just a way of making everything more accessible what about some Um, of the tools like you know some of the microscopes Mm -hmm. that's one yeah Uh, and pipetting yep that's another um there's one thing if you've ever worked in a lab can we get you doing something on camera something something and they'll go pipetting (laughs) and we're like yep know it well know it well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the one where you just you're taking things out and putting it back in yeah. like that yeah, yeah. out of here yeah pushing yeah. it there Sook yeah. out of here yeah yeah classic yeah classic all right final final last question what's the one thing that someone out there who might be watching who's like ah, science communication that's pretty cool they may be a creative they, they don't want a full-time job in science communication but what would help them be more kind of suitable to help a person like you or to move into a career within science communication? What should they be focused on? Um, okay. It's not the science we've no, clarified. No. So is it the communication? Yeah, I think have a go 
at taking a news article. Start. Don't start with you know scientific papers because no one can digest those. Not even the scientists that write them. To be sorry, but um, have a go. And um, you know, in my interview, um, I had to take a pa- I had to take a paper and write a news article for the website of of that paper without any understanding of the science and things you know kind of behind it. I'd come from a neuroscience background, so I didn't. And that's the sort of thing to try is can and start with a news article or or a pop, you know kind of a popular article maybe from science mag or or new scientist and try and dilute that down even further with a little bit of research because that's what you know what my, me and my team do is we have to go in with you know with a paper with minimal understanding of what it's about do a little bit of research and dilute that for the public mm. and that's it's a good yeah just find some articles draw some pictures or you know whatever medium you work in just see if you can make that more understandable and test it on family and friends you know the amount of times I've sent things to my mum dad stepdad sister (laughs) you know my sister's been a great consultant on our vaccine stuff unpaid I pay her in love Um, and babysitting can't buy clothes with love (laughs) that's how we we kind of describe when we're chatting with contributors who haven't you know they're all scientists actually where they're trying to communicate some of their work and they have a they prepared a script the night before and they're trying to remember all the lines word for word and it never works so what we try to say is you know talk to us as if you're talking to your mum you know explain it that way just you know simplify it which is quite interesting because that seems to be what that is what you're doing yeah it's literally the whole bedrock of my job Mm. is to is just to be like okay imagine you're like sat at home and you're chatting to your mum yeah how would you explain it and for creatives as well you know it's like like alice when she we did we had this amazing paper on how the rhinovirus vaccine um vaccine virus um which causes the common cold in your um lung cells it basically protects you against covid so we had this whole Mm. paper basically if you get a cold you're not going to get covid that was the the very wide thinking and Alice sat down and she did these incredible illustrations of of the the lungs and the lung cells and little rhinoviruses and little like covid particles and that was probably one of the best received things we've ever put out on social media did they look like little rhinos (laughs) not quite am I the only one (laughs) no no Jake's (laughs) little rhinos should the rhinovirus be illustrated with little rhinos (laughs) <laughs> we've, we've got we've got two jakes behind camera yeah we've I'm got jacob not. and jake or the jakes yeah or the jakeys <laughs> if you're in Glasgow, <laughs> which is a bit mean <laughs> all right well i'm i'm done with this one and you're nursing yours too much chat from this one too i'll much let you chat. go <laughs> that's all right just yeah. hitting the equipment that's good it can take it it can take it. Okay. All right, shall we shall cut we two? Cut, yeah. Oh. No, 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 you drink. We'll cut two. Okay. <laughs> cut two! That was ah, that was you know what? This is normally a chance for us to, like, whoo, get a breather. So let's just get a breather live. Jakes, you got a beer in? You all right? Yeah. You good? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Slung your thighs. Tell you what, very lively. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, you're being very responsible with your with your alcohol. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You need to be on on the ball all the time. <laughs> you never <laughs> Might know have when some science to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Science <laughs> drops I mean, at any time. For for the audience at home, we are sat in the advanced research center, the we new are. center at the University of Glasgow. So <laughs> you never know. Yeah, many thanks for accommodating us. Um, <laughs> they probably thought like oh, these students with their cameras and their alcohol talking about science. 
<laughs> They're like, he's obviously mature. <laughs> is it? Just the look. Yeah. <laughs> Just is the it? look. Just the look. <laughs> well, I always say in terms of um, us communicating... Uh, the work that we do for clients, not just in science, but technology and really anything. Because if you speak to anyone who's knowledgeable about a subject, irrespective of how simple they can explain it, it's very complex and challenging. And I always say, I don't know much about this. So if you can explain it to me and I understand it, chances are everyone will. Um, not always, though. Sometimes I just don't get it. I'm like, break it down for me. Further. A little bit more. But I think that's where like all of the training that we've done as well. And that's that's the thing that like, I I we've done so much training with both of you because I can't necessarily because I'm in there now and I work with viruses every day and I'm talking to them about viruses every day. I can't even necessarily see it sometimes. Mm. So that's why I think working with creatives and working from people who really are stepping into this for the complete first time is really, really valuable. And this is what I want to do with the comic book is I want to have a group of our researchers who are really keen to do comic books and then a group of illustrators and basically do like uh, speed dating where nice. you have two minutes each. Yeah. The artist can explain their pro their process and their practice and the researcher can explain their science. And at the, you kind of you all meet each other and at the end they rank who they'd like to work with and who kind of... But this is a... It's, you know, so that in public engagement like that's the engagement it's not the comic book that comes out at the end of it it's the process of the of the creatives having to kind of again simplify their process and how they work to the researchers but also the researchers really for someone who's coming in completely cold to understand what they do gosh awesome and thanks for mentioning process because i think uh, enjoying the process of something is so much more important than enjoying the output I think we can all agree on that. Because mm. um, if you don't, you're just not going to stick at it. And I think one of the best examples of this is um, an exhibition that I worked on in like two years ago um, called The Dear World Project. And this was similar. So this was bringing um, neuroscientists who work on mental health together with artists of all different. So we're talking, you know, sculptors. Um, we had an amazing uh, glass sculptor, um, people who do incredible, huge installations, um, someone who does blankets and things all together for the similar vibe and we had different workshops where um that had different themes and it was all around what is engagement how can we be engaging how do we work together as creatives and and scientists and learning each other's processes and through those three workshops it was amazing to see the um, some of the scientists really coming out of themselves and actually getting a completely new perspective on their own research mm. from through someone else's eyes and this culminated in a two-week exhibition in Hackney Wick where we had everything installed in this um, amazing art gallery and invited people to come and see the works. Um, and these huge range of things, but the, pro, you know, the scientists, it was great. The exhibition was great. They got to see the things in situ and people looking at them. But the resounding thing was the process, was that being able to see their work from a completely abstract angle. And it's actually meant that on a lot of my projects, right at the start, I'll bring an artist in or something right at the, or some, you know, someone who I think can give us a completely different view on something um, at the re at the project planning start to be like, okay, what are we missing? What, you know, because we're thinking, a lot of us think very, like in the science world, think very linear and like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get there. This is our audience. This is what we should do. But then I need someone to be like, hmm, but have you thought about it like this? Yeah. And I think that's again, why like working with so many different creatives gives that depth to the project. Yeah. Love it. They do a similar thing with NASA. 
<clears throat> so there's um there's a space program that has like a resident artist uh, who thinks about the space program from that art perspective, uh, and it's given rise to some really interesting projects. Um, that is awesome. Same in UCL, they have a um, uh, one of the really really forefront of HIV research. One of his postdocs is an artist. So they have an artist in residence who does, you know, incredible installations and things all about HIV and all about the research that they do. Nice. And that's where I would love to have an artist in residence at the CVR. Yeah. I mean, we work, you know, we have ones that drop into projects and do little bits, but I'd love to have someone that, I mean, and Lois, I guess, kind of does fulfill that role in a lot of the creative stuff that she does in the animation and, and illustration. Um, She's a wizard, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> You're a wizard, Lois. You're a wizard, Lois. <laughs> Yeah, Lois is awesome. Um, so in, I really in, hope she's watching this. <laughs> yeah, if she's not, that'll be horrendous. Like. You're a wizard, Lois. You're a wizard. <laughs> which, which camera? Which camera? <laughs> I'll just look at all the cameras. <laughs> um, so uh, this, this second section, we normally like to talk about earning because everyone wants to know how much do you get paid um but not specifically um how much you get paid because uh you've got a full-time permanent no fic Ooh, as permanent let's work on that people <laughs> as permanent as it can be in in scientific research nice nice um yeah so at the moment till march 2023 um but we are currently going through our next round of funding um let's drink to the funding i have to hand in the first draft next friday drink to the funding oh. rounds has awesome it so far great mm -hmm. we're gonna leave it at that oh. um okay. <laughs> so so what what i, what I want to ask what i want to ask is for creatives out there right when you receive uh brand new you know um when you receive an estimate or a proposal what's your expectation in terms of what their ask is going to be in terms of the bottom dollar pound um it depends on experience, what they're doing, how much commitment and things. And you know this, I'm open to a chat about money. I'm not. I'm as which, <laughs> which I love as well, because <laughs> I always am and clients will always ask you. And then I always throw back the question, well, what budget are you working with? Yeah. And, that's, and they'll be like, well, how much does it cost? I'm like, let's talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not one to kind of shortchange anyone. I will pay for what, like, you know, I'm. Yeah, um, us too. And that's something that I've, I really hold I think having done a bit of freelance work myself and people really underselling me, it's something that I don't ever want to do to anyone else. And I hope that anyone that works with this really does, val you know, try and value, really value the bottom line of what they think they're worth. So what what is that bottom line in your opinion? You know, just generally, what are people worth, Faye? It's so hard because we have... <laughs> no, that's a terrible <laughs> I'm not going to force you to answer what are people worth. But I mean, you know, what what's a reasonable day rate? Christ. Um, I mean, we pay any, like, again, it's like completely dependent, but we've paid anywhere between 250 to 500 pounds a day for, for creatives. Martin, we're reviewing our pricing structure immediately. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> but okay. I'm, again, so it, it's because. After this, let's catch up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it depends on so many, like you, you reamed off a whole bunch of things at the start. Yeah. In terms of the the value that someone is bringing. Yeah. Right. So um, how do you how do you judge that value? I mean, that's also difficult because I. I wouldn't bring anyone on if I didn't value 
what they did mm. if that makes sense so they're f- you know and I have had instances where people have quoted me and I've been like that's not enough <laughs> um so I've had art- we've, we've done the same yeah. recently actually we're like no no, no. we'll pay you more, more than, than that, that. that's yeah. for sure <laughs> was that my stepdad when not any chance <laughs> definitely not no 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 I was tra- I was trying to I was trying to negotiate that down for sure no no, no. didn't he <laughs> <laughs> he was lucky enough to help us with some just cracking advice. And this looks like severe it. nepotism. <clears throat> it's not. I don't. <laughs> Thanks, stepdad. Horn off all of my family <laughs> on other. I, I am not a Tory MP. I always wanted a stepdad. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Didn't mean it. Didn't mean it. You can have him. No, Seriously? <laughs> it's pretty great, isn't it, to be fair? Really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, good. No, but, <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm lucky in that. I, you know, a lot of the projects that we do, we go for external funding. Mm. So I can work with the creative to be like, okay, well, what do you want me to put in the grant? And that's what we've done, you know, with these, with some of yeah, the projects we've worked just on. Say lots. Yeah. And we put in the top worst case scenario, what would your dream cost be? And luckily we've had pretty much hundred percent success rate on getting stuff back because the projects that we're doing, we've put so much thought into and we've worked with the right people and we've taken the time in the kind of process of writing the grants of making sure that we've got the right people that by the time we get there that you know we've got the we get the top level funding mm-hmm. um and we're able to do that and there have been a couple of occasions where i've had to be like oh we don't have much money but we really need this and i'm like how much can you do for this much money so i don't ask people to lower their day rate or anything i just say okay feasibly how much can you do with this money and i'll give you as much as i can um but just be honest with me and in what you can do for that and yeah that's one thing i think i working with so many creatives and seeing how exploited some of them can be mm. um is that i just that's yeah i've got my like green list and my blacklist <laughs> of, of people to work with and to encourage people to work with but yeah i i want yeah i don't know no, we might great. be rare i don't know yeah it is it is so um i guess for anyone watching it's important to know what their bottom line is in terms of I don't work for less than this. Um, but you need that kind of negotiated wiggle room sometimes. But um, it's nice to know that you're not just looking for less, you're looking for something different. And I think that's what we do on mm. many occasions. Like, well, what can we do? You know, and, and oftentimes part of the creative process is working out what you can do with a budget, not saying, well, you need this budget. Mm. Sometimes it's that. <laughs> just because of the nature but yeah exactly but that's then why maybe like, i've put you on to the more commercial projects because i'm like i know there you can just be like well this is how much i want you to spend on me mm. um but i also know that like with i think with all of the creatives that we work with at the moment i am able to have that really honest conversation of being like i'm strapped this is how much i've got what what can we do with it and most of the time they'll be like grand i'm happy to do what i can do and then yeah. we work together and then you know, with a lot of our creatives, they'll be costed into the next grant at the top dollar. So, yeah, it's just that honesty and openness, I think, about money, which is, yeah, it's not a very British thing to do, it's but not. it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people struggle talking about that that bottom line aspect. But if you are working for yourself, uh, you have to. You mm. have to. It is... Yeah, it's a necessity. And I think also I did like last year, just as a bit out of interest, I worked out what, you know, my, I know I'm salaried, but worked out what I cost per day. And I was like, I would never expect anyone who I'm hiring into a role because they are good at it. And it's something I can't do to work for less than what I'm being paid a day. Mm. And I think that really helped actually in working out that kind of, you know, bottom line is being like, well, no one should be expected to work less than this because... I'm a professional in this role 
because I can do my job and I need someone because I, it's something I can't do. So they should not be paid less than me. Here, here. Yeah. I think you're think... going to have a lot of freelancers emailing you like, <laughs> yeah, you need some video yeah. work. <laughs> Man, let's catch up after this. Let's catch up after this. <laughs> All right, shall we cut to? Yeah. Uh, that's that's right. a good cut. Am point. I drinking as a new cut well, to? Mean, no, 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 cut, cut to with us and then, okay. then you can do it. We'll wait. <laughs> the, the audience aren't going anywhere, are you? No, no one's Lois. there. Lois. No one's there. Oh, Lois is there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, how's the chat? How's the chat, G? It's blown up. <laughs> <laughs> cut to. <laughs> oh. Awesome. It's very different doing this live. Um, yeah. What time are we on? Oh, we've got like... Come on, work brain. 23 minutes left. No, no, it's 12 minutes, 13 minutes left. Really? 16, yeah. isn't it? Half past? Oh, we've got different times on our watches. Well, that doesn't Ooh. help. Oh, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> Whose watches? <laughs> okay. 15, bang on. Oh, my watch is wrong then. So is mine. I mean, it's, it's a oh, classic, no, though. Not. It's not a good timekeeper, but it's a classic. It's a classic. <laughs> right. So, um, on to living. Onto living, right? So this this is just a, a section. Really, uh, what did what did I see recently? I saw someone talking about work life balance. It was a post of a post. You know how people post people's posts, and they're yeah. like, "Look at this idiot," mm -hmm. you know. And this idiot was talking about how young people talking about work life balance. I mean, seriously. At your age, you should just be working because you'll need that balance later on in life when you have kids and a mortgage. And I was like, what the hell? And everyone was just like absolutely ripping him yeah. because it's ridiculous. You're a very busy person and you work a lot. Talk to me about that work-life balance. Um, well, for that, that idiot, I'm getting a mortgage tomorrow. So, Oh, that is exciting. <laughs> Congrats. Um, thanks. Yeah. So it's all it's all submitted. You just waiting for the big yeah, thumbs up? Big thumbs up. Nice. Keys tomorrow. Awesome. And then talking about the work life balance, I then get the keys and then I get in the car, drive four and a half hours to the Isle of Sky for a long weekend, take two days off work and leave my interns and everyone to it. Got it sorted there. Lois Lois sorted out without you. <laughs> um no, I'm I'm really lucky and I think um yeah, this is one of the reasons I think, you know, I'd love to stay stay in my like where I am at the CVR and why I'm so lucky is because, you know, I have a lot of autonomy in my job and I'm able to run, you know, run the program, do a lot. And my boss is absolutely phenomenal and has been so supportive and because um, I'm, I'm managed by the research manager. So I kind mm. of don't have a public engagement person um, sitting above me at the CVR. So I do get a lot of autonomy and, and you know, the working from home as well, um, kind of being more flexible. And I work very intensely in short bursts. And that's something working from home has really helped with because I feel like I kind of have the autonomy to do that. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I'm able to do things like, yeah, take a few days off, go to the Isle of Skye. I'm, I'm literally here, there and everywhere all the time. I like, like a couple of weeks ago, I was down with my parents because I can work remotely and work from them. And the trust, you know, there's trust within the CVR that, you know, you can do that um, and no questions asked. And I'm very, I do have a very, very good work-life balance. But you deliver um, results. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, there, you. there's trust. There's <laughs> trust there. I think. I think where a lot of people struggle is they work for a place where there isn't any trust. So yeah. their employer just innately doesn't really trust that 
they're going to do the right thing. And quite frankly, there's lots of people out there who aren't going to do the right thing. You know who you are. But it's a broken system because like, there's no trust system. there, so there's no trust here as well. So it's... Dropping, dropping some real serious bombs there. Wait till I get on broken system, <laughs> Martin. Tell me more about the broken system. Oh, I've got nothing to add. But what I would, what I do want to ask is, because um, one thing I've noticed with academics and scientists, just from working with them, email um, comms and stuff like that, is they have a lot of annual leave. Like, what? How many holidays do they get in a year? <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah, like well, we work for a lot of us work for universities, so we're very lucky that we get a lot of shutdown days. So, like over Christmas, like we wouldn't be we wouldn't be working between Christmas and New Year unless it's what, yeah. But then I don't know. I don't know about that because we they do, but a lot of them, like for example, at the end of March, any annual leave that you've had carried over, you have to like use by the end of March, and there'll be no one at the centre because yeah. no one's used it. Yeah. And a lot of academic, like they, we get a lot of annual leave, but it's not, they don't use it. I do. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and a lot of people as well, like will take off a lot of the summer holidays with kids and things like that. So yeah, but I mean, I get something ridiculous, like 43 days, including all the bank holidays. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, what's annual leave? <laughs> Sorry, freelancer. Can I like leave annually? Is that it? Can I just like get the, <laughs> For a day? Get the F out of Dodge? Like, <laughs> we good. I'm out of here, guys. Sorry. I'm on annual leave as a freelancer. Ooh. That's a new one. Yeah. That's a new one. Come over to I mean, the dark side. I'm not You've already got an office with us, haven't you? Yeah, that's true. Satellite office. Yeah, yeah. You spend so much time with us that <laughs> no, might as well. Might yeah. as well. Might as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. Some sort of job share. I could do some sciencing. Could do some pipetting. pipetting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. <laughs> this is how long we've been working together yeah, yeah. <laughs> long enough long enough long enough um so what's what's it like um in the cdr then because luckily people can go and check out a lot more content than they used to mm. in terms of exploring your work there's probably more interest in centers that research viruses and stuff mm -hmm. than ever what's it like behind closed doors what are you carrying and I don't, I don't mean knives. <laughs> well, me personally, or the, the researchers in their lab coats with their pipettes. With their pipettes. Um, <laughs> Why are the lab coats always creased? Uh, <laughs> not doing the ironing around that place. That would be me, probably. <laughs> um, we have actually discussed with Massimo recently, our director, about getting a steamer for them on the public engagement yes, budget. please. <laughs> Honestly, I'm <laughs> thinking about sure. bringing a steamer because... <laughs> You it's know. getting a bit ridiculous, isn't it? But at least the next time you're with us, you're going into our high containment unit, so you'll be in the full hazmat shaboodle. Yeah, yeah. Proper. Yeah. Proper. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to be looking suave, suave, suave. <laughs> which camera? Suave. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the CVS... Um, it's it's difficult because you've got you know you've got the labs and that's where literally all of the things that you imagine that happen in a lab happen in those labs. Lots of pipetting, lots of creased lab coats, um, and then you know all the academics. Well, everyone has their own desk, which is like a desk that you would like assume that everyone has. Um, <laughs> I have a. An office that doesn't have any light, which is basically exactly like what you would expect a scientist to come out of, <laughs> just out of the dark. Like, um, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Good summary. <laughs> yeah. hey, you've really painted a picture of. Well, okay. Oh. If you want to, if you want me to give the the creative answer about what the what it's like to be Ooh, at the yes, CBR, please. yes, please. It's walking down that. <laughs> shall I do it to camera? Yeah. Um, walking down the road and. 
suddenly what appears in front of you is a giant gold box that looks like it is out of something from Austin Powers' gold member. Um, Sounds rude. <laughs> well, have you watched Austin Powers' gold member? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it is like that strange Dutch man in gold member has created a building for himself. And that is what the CVR looks like. Um, <coughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and cut. Shall I finish the mess? Um, no, it's just a big building, uh, lots of glass, and full of lots of wonderful people doing incredible things. Yeah. Um, really welcoming people yeah. as well. Everyone's uh, like keen to chat. I know everyone's super busy, but every time we've popped in, they either run because they see the camera or they're <laughs> you know, like, oh, hey, how's it going? Which yeah. is quite nice. I think I think actually like someone said yesterday that they said it's one of the best places they've ever worked for that culture and that the people yeah. um, just being really friendly. And that's something that when I went for my interview is even their video content that they had before that was all about the history of the CVR and things. You just wanted to work there. Yeah. And it was, you know, things of their like their Christmas um, parties and all of them dressing up and things. It just seemed like a really friendly collegiate place to work. And I was like, I want to work there. And all of the, you know, all of my team have been um remote the whole time like Lois has come up a handful of times mainly to work with both of you yeah. and um but there's still that sense of everyone knows each other everyone's really friendly and that's what I think has made my job a lot easier in terms of being in, like with engagement is that people are happy to chat to me and that's quite rare in engagement you get a lot of academics who are very anti that for, for many reasons and main, m most of it is workload and not prioritizing it but I think we've got yeah, I think it is a really nice place. When you walk in, you're like, everyone will say hello to you and everyone's really welcoming and wondering what you're doing. Yeah. Who was the guy at the front door that doesn't <sighs> work there anymore? What was it? Alan? Yeah. Alan was a ledge. Alan. Bring Alan back. <laughs> Can you say that to camera? <laughs> Bring Alan back. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Alan really made me smile. See see the first, the first person that you see and interact with in any workplace retail or otherwise, if that's a good experience. Sets up your day. Boy, does it set up your day. Yeah. We've all been to places where you've got the person taking the ticket and they're just a grumpy sod, right? And it really just brings you down. You're bringing me down. What's his name? Give me a name. What's his name? The grumpy sod. I don't know. who the... It's not Alan, that's for sure. No, we're not talking about Grump. anyone. His but... name's Grump. There is no one. There is no not one that is But I was, I, was I was painting. No, no, no. I was painting a picture of like oh. we've all had that experience. And then you get through and you're like already like you know off oh, to a bad having a bad time. Mm. Um, Alan, wherever you are out there, Alan. What camera am I looking at? <laughs> Alan, Alan, you're doing well. I hope Alan's doing well. Let's try to find out where Alan is. He's still working for the university. Is he? Mm -hmm. Just not oh, the CVR. Someone snapped him up. Yep. I'm gonna like at the main campus. I think so. I'm gonna check out Alan. I think there's like rats in the in the wall over there. Hear that? That's chewing. That's chewing above ever. I'm Australian and I know rats chewing in a in a crawl space. There are absolutely no rats in in this building. Yeah. I don't know. There might be three. Yeah. Huh? Um, I've got some cracking like animal stories, but I'll not tell them because it's not the time. Or the place. If you want to hear my animal stories, then maybe we'll do a little uh, little separate piece. Well, haven't that. you both just been doing some amazing work with the zoos? We yeah. have. So, so you have to we have. Yeah, watch yeah. that and for the animal stories. Yeah. Oh, the zoos are a, a real another nice group of people. 
really passionate about what they do. Um, and like, it's all about conservation, um, which is really interesting because of course they're animals, you know, in a space being cared for out with their, their environment, a little bit like scientists. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think they're in their environment. See if we put lab coats on a bunch of animals and then we're like, <laughs> there's something in it. Something in it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the comic book. Cut, be cut to. <laughs> Shall we cut to? Yeah, bring it in. Let, let's cut to. <laughs> right. You've been drinking awfully slowly, which <laughs> is probably for the best, given given how professional you are. Yep. Um, unless you're like, you know, Socky Holes Street at 4 a.m. on a Friday night. Saturday morning. Sorry, it's a Saturday morning. <laughs> like it makes a difference. Um, the fair play. Fair play. Right. Uh, talk to me about the future of what you do and science communication. So especially given technology changes mm-hmm. and social networks and, you know, meta. You know, heard, heard of meta? Have you heard of meta? I'm too N- old. NFTs. <laughs> heard of an NFT? Talk to me about how technology, just 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 name dropping. I'm just name dropping. Talk to me about how technology is changing what you're doing. Um, you know, social networks. You know, engagement, mm-hmm. um, content, types of content. Mm-hmm. What's happening? What are we looking forward to? Whew, a lot. Um, I think the last two years have basically completely revolutionised like public engagement, science communication as a whole sector, because mm. it's runoff in-person events and you know going to science festivals and going into communities and running events in you know in those spaces, which we just weren't able to do, and you know. Basically, I've literally got off a call earlier today where we were reviewing um, an article that had been put out all about how Twitter has changed science communication and whether it will stay like that. And should it stay like that? Mm. Are there things that we can learn? Are there things that we should change? But yeah, I mean, we all kind of have heard about the infodemic and all of the, you know, the content that's been put out. And, you know, the CVR before the kind of you know this they had um the contagious thinking blog which was a kind of blog podcast um some videos um but it was a very much a kind of sideline of 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 the cvr and since you know 2020 that has just completely changed you know our our digital content is something we've really focused on and it's the same with the whole sector like our whole sector had to move online we had to start hosting schools events online having to you know do loads of stuff like that all online and the all of the conferences that we've all been at talking about this has been like should we stay this way is this is this the new way of engaging and doing Mm -hmm. science communication should we be doing hybrid events and trying to have half in person half digital should everything go back to how it was before or and what can we learn from the shift and I think for me the most amazing thing about it was how all of the public engagement science communication professionals who aren't necessarily creatives have all had to learn to be creatives Hmm. in that space you know i had to learn how to do online facilitation i had to learn how to create all of these online like resources um and i'm again i'm very lucky being at a virus research center with resource during that time when we could get people like lois who know that craft and know how to do that but otherwise yeah like any of the kind of other public engagement science communication professionals have all had to learn how to use the Adobe suites and also to, to do all this content if they didn't have that resourcing. Um, so I think for, for our sector especially, we've now got a whole load of completely different skilled, you know, 
people who who were brilliant at doing the the in-person festivals and getting that light bulb moments from kids with you know hands-on activities who now have a whole suite of other skills because because of that and I think for us you know we've got a lot of researchers who have quite the following on Twitter for example Mm. um especially some of our researchers who work on kind of the evolution of SARS-CoV-2 and you know kind of trying to stop the lab leak theory and things like that but we've got people and that's something we don't want to no we're not going to talk about you can't drop the lab leak (laughs) theory oh wait i get it i get it it didn't come from a lab no it didn't came from the environment you know who you are yep (laughs) but i think yeah (laughs) we now have a platform we didn't have before Mm. because of that so it's something that i mean there are we're quite divided in the field of people who want to go back to on, you know, in person. And they're like, you absolutely cannot create meaningful engagement online, which I was in that camp. But I think the last year and all of the, like throwing ourselves into the digital content and seeing how engaged people have been with it, I've changed my mind. Yeah. I think. I, I would say it doesn't necessarily replace. No. Uh, but it can support and facilitate that across the years you know because how many kids never i don't think i ever went to any science event like this is the 90s which was very lacking in science um yeah i don't remember going to any specific science events um and i'm sure lots of young people especially in deprived areas don't have the opportunity to whereas although arguably lots of deprived families don't have ready access to internet and devices as well so there's another challenge so there's always going to be a place for in-person events and they're fun you know interacting with people like we are now this is the first like live martin and i have never done cut to together in person it's always been remote (laughs) (laughs) he looks weird in real life (laughs) he's like 3d and everything he's a real he's a real boy yeah (laughs) do you think um with the whole like I'm going to talk about COVID, but do you think, um, like, especially on Twitter, do you think, like, engagement in science in general has just, like, exploded because of, like, the, the whole COVID thing? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting one because, you know, we go into things now where we're talking about viruses and, and stuff, any event, and there's this new level of assumed knowledge that we d- that people didn't have before. Yeah. You know, people know what RNA is and, you know, things and have more understanding about vaccines and understand more about science than they ever have before. So, I mean... <laughs> Just interacting with the folks at home. <laughs> um, and that's really a really good place to be, I think, now, is especially working on viruses, is that we, we kind of can... Yeah, we've got a more engaged audience. But I think... Again, like things like Twitter, it's come, you know, it's good that there are a lot more people engaging a lot more, but also then there are a lot of people making very bad assumptions yeah. and, and that as well. So say it, say the word. What? Fake, Fake news. Fake news. Yes. Fake news. And that's what we have to come up against, right? And like Lois and I have, when we've put things out about certain papers or things that have come out, we have been sat there ready mm. <laughs> for the for the fake newsers um and luckily actually we haven't i think because we're sat behind a an organization rather than it being a person yeah we don't get no that attack. yeah there's no one to attack so we don't get it but yeah some of our researchers have um mm. but i think overall it hasn't ever stopped any of our researchers carrying on with their online presence and mm. things at all which has been 
really good. So I think long term, it's something, you know, going into our next funding renewal, you know, we are going to stay on this digital communications platform. It's something that we really want to build on because it has been so successful for us. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So opportunities for creatives out there who have an interest in science or no interest and are just interested in getting paid. (laughs) And also, but we are going to be at in-person events this year as well. Um, like we'll be at Glasgow Science Festival awesome. um, 4th and 5th of June at Mug.Country Country Park we're going to do a nice. kind of satellite event up there um, working with the conservation volunteers who are going to be doing some little citizen and science things um, and then on the I think 9th and 10th of June we'll be at the Glasgow Botanic Gardens um, with some virusy fun um, so yeah we're but get- you can get your own virus <laughs> <laughs> yeah, virus and fun in this season <laughs> <laughs> <It's quite bad. laughs> hey our Mug.One is going to be a little scavenger hunt viruses or ticks oh. even better wow. ticks <laughs> i remember real ones. i remember getting a tick in in scotland and uh, everyone was freaking out and i was like it's only a tick did you report it to our tick map i didn't <laughs> even know there was a tick map we have created a tick map where you can report your sightings or bitings of really? ticks across scotland yeah oh wow that is great any any other maps people should know about <laughs> Uh, not at the moment, but one of our PhD students, Spiros, is actually the absolute king of creating maps of, of like viruses and where they awesome. come from and where they go. So yeah. Are there any really interesting or rewarding projects that you're working on just now that the world should know about? The world meaning our audience of four, <laughs> five. Hey, Lois. We're including my mum at six. I'm Lois, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lois. Um, Lois increasing our numbers by like 20%. <laughs> So I think one of my absolute joy projects, and this is one that we're going to kind of culminate this summer, um, which you've both been working on, um, is our project called Unseen Hands. And this came from um, a group of people who live with a bloodborne virus. So this um, mainly HIV, um, but also hepatitis C. And we went to them with a pot of money and said, look, we've got this money and we'd love to do something with you. What can we do? And they were all, and this was, you know, the charity, but also the the service users. And they said, we're really interested in the journey of a blood sample. You know, once it comes out of my arm, what happens mm. in scientific research? And we have a complete, you know, a set of researchers who work on so many different things, as you both know, from the eight or nine kind of r- videos that we're doing, um, who all look at completely different things from that blood sample. And we thought, actually this is quite a good like, set of stories that we can tell. Um, and to do that and to tell the stories, we needed to actually put the researchers and the patients, well, not patients, but the people living with HIV and hepatitis in the same room. And we did this virtually because there's so much kind of disconnect between them. So fundamental virologists, the ones that work in the lab in Petri dishes, will ne- you know, won't ever really see someone who lives with the virus. That's the clinicians. Mm. Um, but they're in the lab every day working with the virus. And in our next set of funding, we want to have more of a clinical platform for our work. We want to be doing more with our clinicians and that translation between what happens in the Petri dish to clinic and to the patient. And that's a big step for people who've never had interaction with with patient groups and people living with the viruses that we study. So we thought, okay, how do we bridge this gap? And we thought there's many things that, that, um, that need to be talked about first. Language because the two different groups have completely different language. Mm. And we ran a session on that where we brought them all together and we're like, what are the words, you know, ask the researchers, what are the words that you use in your everyday life to describe your research? And then ask the the group of people living with the virus, what are the words that you find really stigmatizing? Hmm. 
and the overlap between the two was quite amazing. Words like infected. People living with hepatitis, HIV, do not like to be, you know, do not like that word. It holds a lot of stigma. Mm. Whereas the researchers are just like, well, I work with infected cells, you know, and it was all those nuances about kind of, so that was what amazing conversation that, that we had with a lot of our kind of people living with viruses and our researchers to have those conversations. We came up with a common glossary, words not to use, words we can use depending on the context. Mm. Um, we shared resources and we came up with kind of words of the day, things that we kind of sat down together and were like that. This is what this relationship means. And then from that, and, and before that, we worked with Alice, the artist, to do the journey of a blood sample. And this was bringing the researchers and the um the people living with the viruses together um, to explore the journey of a blood sample through a imaginary art gallery. And Alice took us through the journey from literally it being taken from your arm through to the courier coming to collect it and drop it off through to the Petri dish and how every person in that room would display that in an art gallery. And some of the things were amazing. Like the journey, some one of the um, the guys said that the journey of a blood sample was like a ghost train. You never know what's around the next corner as someone living with HIV. Um, and then there was like... Yeah, it was it was amazing, but it just again it opened those conversations. But for me to answer your question, the one that is that I think it, like that the reason this project is so kind of my like love it is one of our um, called, we call them peers because we're kind of trying to make sure that everyone feels on the same level. That whether you're a scientist, whether because we call the people living with the virus, they're experts by experience. Um, and one of them said that we all live with HIV, whether it's we go to work and we work with it in cells in a Petri dish. We live with it. Mm. And whether we get up every day and take a pill that, you know, and we live with the virus. And she, you know, she said at the end of the day, we all might go and get on the same bus and go home and watch Corrie. But we've all lived with the virus that day. And that is that moment where the researchers were like, whoa, that, that, and they, it brought that level playing field of them all being on the same kind of the same page. And that's, that is what, like why I do my job that is the and yeah we've got a so our next stage of that project obviously so we're telling the stories of the researchers which are for and we've done that in kind of co-production with the the peer group to make sure that the information is is what they want and then also on the 1st of June we're finally all going to get together in person and do a big artistic workshop um because from those workshops we realized that everyone felt like a piece of the puzzle in in our research and so we've decided to do a big art um, workshop where everyone can design a puzzle piece that represents their part of, you know, research, like bloodborne virus research as a whole. And that will be installed at the centre. Nice. And then hopefully in September, we will tour that to this building um, during the, so this building is going to be launched in a festival in September. And we're hoping to tour it here and invite the peers um, and the charities and everyone who's been involved to here to see it Um see the kind of embodiment of that project and and everyone's piece of the puzzle basically great work so yeah, yeah. that's that project <laughs> super exciting yeah yeah i've really enjoyed working on that project as well it's been super insightful um especially that overlap um in terms of language because language is powerful um and uh can disconnect people but also bring them together um so that's really awesome Absolutely. good work good work well any final points that you'd like to make anything you think we've missed before we i don't think up, so do a final cut to <laughs> i don't think so 
Well, perhaps yeah. this is an opportunity for me to say that this podcast is supported by absolutely ruddy nobody. <laughs> and so if you'd like to help support this podcast, simply tell a friend or an enemy. It's up to you. But tell someone. Tell someone. You can do the regular things, right, Martin? Like, subscribe, share, yada, yada, yada. Hit that bell button. You know the, you know the thing. Um, but finally... Faith, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks yeah. for helping us set up this awesome <laughs> location. Jake's in the corner. Absolute <laughs> legends. Thank you so much. Cheers, boys. <laughs> Shall we have a final cheers? Yeah. yeah. And also so to say are. thank you, Lois, for watching. <laughs> thanks, Mum. Yeah. My mom's definitely not watching, though. Definitely. Cheers. Cut, 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 cut,